here's another thing that's, that's a big factor. We said where. Where you reap in your harvest. Now it is true that we don't know exactly how God's going to multiply our seed back to us and exactly the channels He's going to use and the exact moment in time. Even though we can sense the period and season, we don't know the hour and moment. It's all part of walking by faith. Yet there are some things that we have to do with reaping a harvest that's connected with discerning where our harvest is at. You need to know where the field's at to get the corn in. Right? And if somebody told you, well, hey, we're going to give you that 50 acres down on the south 40. Oh, I guess that'd be the south 50, wouldn't it? We're going to give you that plot of land down there. What if you couldn't find it? There are some things here in connection with reaping your harvest that I think some haven't seen. And that is that the Lord will show you where your harvest is at. And then you have to take a step of faith to get it. And if you don't have the faith to step into the field and reap it, then it, you'll, you'll never enjoy it. How many remember over in... Uh, Luke 5, in fact, just turn over there real quickly. Luke 5. Now, I'm doing this really line upon line. And some things, you know, you don't shout and run around the room at the moment. But man, if you get a hold of these things and put them into practice, you'll have a harvest like I'm about to read to you about. Luke 5. Verse 1. It came to pass as the people pressed upon Jesus... To hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were going out of them, and they were washing their nets. He entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him, or asked him, that he would thrust out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Peter sowed something into Jesus' ministry right here, didn't he? This is his business, this is his livelihood. I mean, you know, he's been, he's been working all night. He wants to hurry up and get through with this and go home and, and eat and go to bed and get some rest so he can go back and work tonight. And here comes a preacher. And a big crowd with him. And wants him to, to quit, uh, you know, maintaining his equipment. And, and delay him several hours getting home. He's at the end of his work day. And not only that, use his boat. As a uh, portable podium. And the Lord says, you know, uh, he prayed him. Or today we'd say he asked him. Can I use your boat? Peter did good. By saying yes. Now see, we might sit here today and we'll say, well of course he should have said yes. This is the Lord. Yes, but did they know all about this? No. Huh? They couldn't have seen it like we see it. So anyway, he launched out a little bit. He preached. And then it came harvest time. He said to him, verse 4, Now when he left speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft or for a uh, harvest. How many know the Lord is not a bum? Amen. He's not a moocher. 
If he asks you for something, he's not planning on just taking advantage of your generosity. I mean, the wisest thing you ever did was let the Lord use your stuff. The Lord even says in Proverbs that if you give to the poor, he considers it a personal loan to him. And he says, I will pay it back. My. And uh, he got through preaching. And of course, they're, they're standing there. I'm sure they enjoyed the message. But they're thinking, you know, they're probably tired. They've been working all night. And they're probably thinking, well, we've got to hurry up and get this done, get home, get a bite to eat, get some rest. Got to go back to work tonight. If you don't fish, the money doesn't come in. Kids need some new sandals. <laughs> right? <laughs> and uh, he, uh, Jesus looked at him and he said, uh, launch your boat out into the deep over there and let down your nets for a draft. You know the story if you look at this with the other uh, accounts and the other writings. He was not quick to do that right off the because they've been fishing all night. And they have checked these waters out thoroughly, and just right now the fish are not there. We don't, you know, we've wore ourselves out last night doing this. But, nevertheless, at your word, they went out there. Of course, this means you got to get your, the nets you got clean, you got to get them back in the water. You got them folded up, you got to get all your stuff back out. You're tired, you got to get your helpers, come on, get back in the boat, let's go. It takes time, it's work. Usually by this time of day, they're probably taking a nap. But oh man, when they let the nets down. They got so many fish. They couldn't get them all in. So they begin to yell to the people on the shore. Hey, get your boat, come out here. We got too many fish, we can't get them all in. They reaped a harvest and they reaped a big harvest. But what if they hadn't obeyed? See, the Lord told them, go out there and get your harvest. But to their mind, it didn't seem reasonable and rational because they'd just been out there fishing a few hours ago. How many times have people tithed and sowed and waited and then God said, step into this. Take this step of uh, expansion. Take this step of involvement. Go ahead and start this business. And see what he's saying is, at your harvest. There it is. But what if you don't have enough faith to take that step? Then that means you didn't discern where your harvest was. And so you don't reap it. You've got to take the steps of obedience. The Bible uses the phrase in Romans 16, the obedience of faith. And you, you reap your harvest by faith. But faith is not just claiming it and expecting it. Faith is also taking the steps of obedience. I know some things that we've done that has caused more prosperity to come to us. Every one of them, we could have very easily not taken that step. It meant more work. It meant making commitments and you didn't know where the resources are going to come from. See, coming into the greater harvest is not for the timid. It's not for the scared. 
Your harvest will come in the form of new contracts, new opportunities. Yes. Something coming available to you. You, can, you could start this business if you wanted to. God give you an idea and you could uh, develop this product. An invention. An expansion. Yes. But how many understand it takes faith to step out and do that, doesn't it? But if you don't do those things that God shows you to, then you're not discerning your harvest. How many people, if they could just see, they never took that step. They had it on their heart all their life. But they were just too scared and too faithless to take that step. And what they didn't realize is if they had taken that step in ten years' times, they'd been a multimillionaire. They couldn't see that. Someone said, why didn't God tell me? He's not going to. Because he wants you to walk by faith. And if he tells you to take the step, well, you know all you need to know. You remember situations like Isaac when he was in the land of the Philistines and it came a tremendous famine. And everybody's going to Egypt because things are so bad. And God told him, you stay right here and you sow here. Well, it looked like you'd be throwing your seed away. Because it's a drought. It's a famine. But you remember the story, don't you? He stayed there. He didn't go to Egypt like other people. He put his investment into that. And the Bible said in that same year, he reaped 100-fold. I bet you that made the local paper. Man reaps 100-fold crop during famine. Everybody else going, well, see, what if he hadn't taken that step, though? I'm sure his neighbors laughed him down when he was sowing all his seed. You understand? Yes. I'm sure they did. Probably some of his well-meaning friends came by and said, Isaac, are you really going to sow this 500 acres over here and this 1,000 acres? You understand? With no water, that seed will just lay there. Save it until the weather gets better. He said, no, God said sow it, I'm sowing he took the step of faith. And he reaped the big harvest. I don't know if I'm saying this properly or not, but you've got to take the steps. Do you see that? You've got to take the steps. I said, you've got to take the steps. Discern your harvest. And realize what God's doing for you when opportunities come up. And when God gives you ideas and when He prompts you and when He gives you a nudge, realize, hey, there's my harvest. I can't get scared and back out now. I've got to take this step. I've got to move on forward because that's where my harvest is at. I could give you many other examples and much other information on that, but be sensitive. And when God deals with you, don't be scared and, and think, well, oh, I'll lose everything. No, if God's telling you to do it, you will not lose everything. But I will assure you, it's going to take faith to take those steps. If you're not sure, well, just do some extra praying. If you can't get settled on it, you don't think it's the right time, well, just wait until you know. But when you know and you got it settled in your heart, be strong. Don't be scared. Step out. Take that step. Now, another thing, and this is one of the last things here, and this is one of the biggest things. This is the same point. We said you got to discern your harvest. You discern when. And you just sense that in your heart. And you'll get joy when you get close to it. 
Also, you discern where. There's steps God leads you to take. And if you go into that area or into that field or into that investment or into that expansion or whatever, then you get into your harvest. But then thirdly, you need to discern how much. How much of the harvest. I know the thing I was going to share with you that the Lord spoke to me a few months back. I was riding on the plane going home, Phyllis and I, from a meeting. And I was thinking about some of these things. And I knew the Lord kept dealing with me about, heart, about reaping, reaping. You hadn't got some things on reaping. I want you to get. I want you to get these things. I hadn't got them yet. I've been looking for them for a while, but I hadn't got them yet. And he asked me a question. I don't mean I heard a voice. don't mean I saw anything. I just knew inside just by the knowing what he was communicating to me. He asked me a question. He said, do you know how much you sowed above your tithe last year? Well, I, I did approximately because he'd already taught me that much that I need to be diligent to know the state of my flocks. Now, see, that'd be a real step forward for a lot of folk right here tonight. If you'd keep up with it. And you're, you're really going to be more interested as I tell you why. He said, do you know how much you gave above your tithe last year? Well, I did know approximately because before the year began, we had set goals. And I knew about how much money it was going to take. And we reached those goals, praise God. And so I knew. He asked me further. He said, did you sow in the good ground? I thought, yeah, absolutely. I know the ground we're sowing in is good ground. I know that. Tremendous ground. I know this ground, the ground we're sowing in, is producing great fruit for the kingdom. He asked me further. He said, what would even a 30-fold return be on that? Or a 50-fold? Well, have you thought about that? Now, you know, there's been a lot of question about, well, how much return should we expect? Well, you just go back to the natural example. You know, usually on your wheat crops, you plant about a bushel to an acre. And it's not uncommon to yield 40 to 60 bushels an acre in a good year. So that would be a 40-fold, 50-fold, 60-fold. Right? That's how it works in the natural. Uh, soybeans, they usually yield, you know, where, where I come from, right about 30 to 50 bushel per acre. And you sow about a bushel of seed to an acre, so that would be a 30-fold, 40-fold, 50-fold return, depending on what kind of year you have. A lot of things. Corn is interesting. You only sow about a third of a bushel to an acre. And on a good year, you might reap 150 bushel of corn per acre. That's a 500-fold return. <laughs> That's good, huh? Yeah. I mean, think about it. If you sow a third of a bushel to an acre and you have a hundred bushel uh, return, which is not uncommon at all, that's a 333-fold return. Well, that's the way it is in the natural. I mean, it is not uncommon at all to have a 30-fold, 50-fold, and some things, 100-plus-fold return. Because, I mean, it's, everybody knows you plant a pea, you do not reap a pea. You do not reap three peas. Right? You reap peas. 
Well, God tells us that that's, that's how things work in the area of money, too. He compares the two. That's right. That's right. And so he asked me the question, what would a 30-fold return be? What would a 50-fold return be on what you sowed above your tithe last year? Well, I whipped out the calculator. I did the math, and, I, and then my eyes got big. <laughs> this is one big figure we're looking at here. I mean, when you start multiplying things by 50, you get large figures pretty quick. 50-fold. And man, the figure, I mean, it just went all the way across the calculator. My, of course, I had a little one. And I thought, man. And then the Lord asked me, he said, are you really expecting all of that to come in? And I had to say, No. I am not haven't been. I'd be lying if I said it was. If a, if a filth of that had come in, I would have just shouted. Big time. I mean what I'm talking about. I was not really expecting that to happen. And so he dealt with me, you need to stir up your faith then. Because you receive not just according to the harvest that comes, you get it in according to your faith. And he went on to talk to him. Now, I don't mean I'm hearing voices now, but how many know what I'm talking about? The Lord will, you just know things. You just know it, and you know he's dealing with you and showing you things. He said, what would you think about a farmer who invested the seed into the ground? I rained on it and prospered it. He planted 500 acres. He's got a bumper crop on 500 acres, and it's all there. And in harvest time, he goes out and reaps 50 acres and stops. And leaves the rest of it in the field and goes home. He said, that's what you've done. I thought, mm. My harvest out there in the field. And I feel my little faith basket full. And that's all I can carry out. It's what little faith I got. And I'm leaving all this in the field. Because he said that when you sow it, it's going to be multiplied just like it is in the natural when you sow seed. He taught us that, didn't he? So man, I got stirred up on it. And I begin to realize, I'm not just going to reap just according to what I've sown. I'll reap according to my faith. That's right. And then, he ministered something else to me. He said, now in the natural, if the harvest is not reaped, it won't stay out there forever. It'll rot. It'll deteriorate. He said, but not spiritual harvest. They're incorruptible. <laughs> he began to deal with me some of those harvests you haven't reaped they're still there in the field won't you go get them glory to God now if you don't go home tonight and whip out your calculator and get to thinking and get busy on this then I'm going to wonder why I can't And if you say, well, now, Brother Keith, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm just not that big into that kind of thing. I mean, you know, if I got something to eat and we got money to pay our bills, well, then that's, uh, yeah, you are a selfish rascal. That's right. If that's the way you feel and think. Because what about other people? What about the poor? What about the church? What about the kingdom? What about your parents? What about a lot of people? 
If you want to get by on just a handful, well, that's your business. But believe God and sow big and reap all the harvest so you can give big and be a blessing. Be a blessing. I said, if you don't discern how much. Now, I'm not talking about trying to figure it down to the penny. I'm not talking about being overly technical and legalistic about it. But you do need to have some kind of an idea. Just a ballpark idea. And what I was doing is looking at even a low yield. I mean, what if just only 30-fold came in? My Lord, it was a big figure. And the Lord said, are you really expecting that to, all that to come in? And I had to say, no, I'm not, Lord. And basically, of course, he talks to you like you understand. Basically, he said, tighten up. Stir yourself up. Go with me quickly to Joshua, the 17th chapter. And I'm going to be closing with these thoughts. Joshua 17. And of course, I realize if you say, well, I didn't quite make my tithe last year. So I really can't, I don't have anything to multiply what I sowed above my tithe. Well, that's then, this is now. <laughs> right? <laughs> and uh, tithing is not sowing. Sowing is beyond your tithe. But when you tithe, your sowing is blessed. Amen. And you need to keep up. Not in a... Uh, wrong sense or wrong way and don't get technical and over legalistic and meticulous about these things I'm not saying that but do have an idea of what you should be believing for and what you should be expecting because that's what's how you're going to know when your harvest comes in how you're going to know when you've got it all and how you're going to know when you, whether you're leaving half of it in the field or not You know, people have had a lot of questions about, well, you know, how come some people reap a bigger return than others? A lot of it has to do with your faith. Yes. A lot of people have a lot in the field, but they're not getting the whole thing in. Right. Reap it all. Yes. Take it all. Yes. Take it all. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, take it all. Yes. <laughs> now you look back at them and say, I am. I'm going to take it all. Yes. I'm going to take it all. Yes. I'm going to take it all. Joshua 17. Now this, the Lord helped me to see this some time back and boy, I, this really blessed me. Joshua 17, verse 15. No, oh, excuse me, verse 14. Joshua 17, 14. The children of Joseph spoke to Joshua and they said, Why have you given me but one lot and one portion to inherit, seeing I am a great people? For as much as the Lord has blessed me hitherto, and Joshua answered them, If you be a great people, then get you up to the wood country and cut down for yourself there in the land of the Perizzites and of the giants, if Mount Ephraim be too narrow for thee. And the children of Joseph said, The hill is not enough for us. Ever heard anybody say something along those lines? Well, it's not enough. We don't have enough. We need more. They said, it's not enough. And, and besides that, all the Canaanites that dwell in the land of the valley have chariots of iron. We can't just go in there and take that. They got iron chariots. And those that are of Beth Shean and her towns and of the valley of Jezreel. Joshua spoke to the house of Joseph, even to Ephraim and to Manasseh. And he said, you are a great people. And you have great power. And you shall not have one lot only. You want more? You can have more. But... The mountain shall be yours, 
It's the wood, you'll cut it down, and the outgoings of it also will be yours, for you shall drive out the Canaanites, though they have iron chariots, and though they be strong. Now hold your place here. Hold your place here. I'm not through. Do you see what's happening with these people? This tribe, delegates from the tribe of, of uh, Joseph, came to Joshua, who was the leader of the people. And they said to him, they said, uh, Mr. Joshua, we are too big of a people for the land we have and for the resources we have. It's not enough for us. We need more. Basically saying, give us more. We are a big people. We're a great people. We need more. Give us more. They're, they're basically putting some pressure on him. Why did you just give us what we've got? But he straightened them out. <laughs> he said, uh, isn't there a mountain right there beside you? There's a valley right over beside it. Well, yeah, but I mean, that's where the Canaanites live. He said, well, I thought you said you were a great people. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, yes, but I mean, the hill wouldn't be enough. Well, yeah, but you got the valley over there, and you got the forest over there. Yeah, but that's where the Canaanites and those Perizzites guys are. Yeah. Man, they got tanks over there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he said, yeah, but didn't you say you're a great people? Yeah. Right? Well, you know, that's the way so many people are. They think they're such big faith people. Yeah. I'm a faith person. Uh -huh. I'm a faith man. And then they come whine to somebody. I don't have enough. I need more money. I need a bigger house. I need a better car. I need some more. I need some more. And they want you to do something for them. They just got through saying, I'm a, I'm a great faith man. Yeah. Well, if you're a great faith man, go take you some more. Yeah, but the devil's camped on it. Yeah, I know. But you're a great, you're a great faith person, remember? He said, go get it. Go take it. He said, you will take it. You will drive them out. Though they do have iron chariots, and though they are strong, you will do it because you are great, and you have got power. They're saying they're great, but they don't really believe it. But he's trying to encourage them. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you can do it. Go do it. Chapter 18, verse 1. The whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled together at Shiloh, and they set up the tabernacle of the congregation there, and the land was subdued before them. And there remained, though, among the children of Israel seven tribes which had not yet received their inheritance. And Joshua said to the children of Israel, How long are you slack to go to possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers has given you? What are you waiting on? I believe this is figurative. I believe this is representative of the body of Christ today. There were 12 tribes of Israel. Only five of the tribes had possessed any substantial amount of what God had given them. Over half of the whole nation and body that God had chosen for himself had not even possessed, begun to possess what God had given them. I believe that's representative today of the body yes, of Christ. Yes, I really yes, believe it is. Amen. Seven tribes had not yet received an inheritance, but not because God hadn't given it to them. Long ago, he's told them, it's yours. Go up and possess it. 
everywhere you, the sole of your foot treads upon will be yours. But the thing is, they hadn't had faith enough to go take it. And some of them had taken a little bit, but they were like uh, this tribe, whine into the leader, you give us more, you do something for us. And he said, well, you are a big people, go get it. Yes. Everybody got their iron chariots. I know the habit, go take it. Go take it and then you'll have an iron chariot. <laughs> right? But skip down to chapter 19. This is really the thing that excites me. Not a lot is said about this, but it's enough for you to really get a picture. 19 verse 9. Out of the portion of the children of Judah was the inheritance of the children of Simeon. For the part of the children of Judah was too much for them. Too much for them. Too much for them. Therefore, the children of Simeon had their inheritance within the inheritance of them, of Judah. What's that saying? It's saying that the tribe of Judah, now of course that's symbolic too, isn't it? Sure, yeah. Tribe of Judah, out of whom the Messiah came. The bunch of praisers, the chosen ones, the faith bunch. Yes, yes. When they got to taking the land, they got carried away. <laughs> I said they got carried away. The leaders of the tribe of Judah were out in the front. And they took the first 500 acres this way. And then they sent back word and they said, we got this. Well, now what do we do? And they said, well, you got any beside you? Yeah, take it. Okay. So they turned east. They took everything they could. They got through with that. They sent back word and said, we got it. Now what? Was well, there anything behind you? Yeah, take it. Okay. So they took it. When they got through with that, they said, well, is there anything the other direction? Yeah, take it. Okay. They took it, and they took it, and they took it, and they took it, and they took it. And when they got through, and finally began to assess what they had taken, they thought, my Lord, there's no way we can use all of this. We can't even patrol all this land. See, this other tribe's over there whining and saying, we don't have enough. We, you need to give us some more land. Judah says, Simeon, you got, you got plenty of land? No. Come over here and live with us, buddy. We got more land we know what to do with. Come on. Yeah. You can live over there on the north side. We won't even know you're there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, glory to God. They took too much. Yeah. Did God rebuke them for it? No. 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 Oh, friends. We got to get delivered from this religious junk that keeps people intimidated and timid, fearful, and afraid. Well, I might take too much and offend the Lord. I just want to kind of hold back here and, you know, if He wants to give me something, He can. I'll be polite. And then people upset because they don't enjoy things. You remember the story of the prodigal son, don't you? There's another real story about his brother. The elder boy. 
If you read that whole account, you'll find that when the younger boy, and there's, some, there's revelation about both of those boys relative to the body of Christ. Amen. The younger boy, he had some things about him that were good, but he didn't control them. Man, he marched right in the house. He said, Daddy, I'm your boy, right? He said, yes, son. He said, uh, your stuff is mine. I mean, I'm going to inherit some of this, right? He said, oh, absolutely, son. Half of it's yours. He said, uh, I won't take it now. <laughs> now, see, we hear that and we think, how dare him? <laughs> no, the Bible does not paint that in a bad way. It's what he did with it. So I think we just lump it all together. And so his father said, his father said Son, what is wrong with you? If you think I'm going to give you this while, you're alive, while I'm alive, you're crazy. I worked hard. No, 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 no. And who is the father representative of? The father. He said, You, you want yours now? Uh huh. Fine. I'll call the lawyer today. We'll get the paperwork done. It'll be transferred into your account tomorrow. Thomas said, that's not like the father. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Because he had the fiber to just step up and say, uh, I don't mind now. Not in a rude, ugly way, but just in a bold way. And the Bible said that the father, you can go back and read it in Luke 15, the father divided unto them. Them, not just the younger boy, both of them. Unto them, his inheritance, he gave it to both of them. Well, the younger boy, he drew all his out of the bank the next day. He's gone. He parted for months. He drank it up, blew it. You know the story. Got down to the, where he's so hungry he wants to eat the pig food. and Decided to go back home. His father received him. Killed the fatted calf for him. Put a ring on his hand. Older brother came in. Heard the music. Saw the party. Got so mad he couldn't see straight. Stayed outside. The father came out. And he said, you know, I've worked for you every day. I've always done what you told me to do. You never gave me anything. You never even gave me a kid, just a kid of the goats, that I could celebrate with my friends. You never let me have a party. You never gave me a ring. You never did anything for me. But in this, your son has blown your money with harlots and all this. He, he waltzes in and you do all this for him. Oh, he was mad. This is representative. Yes. Of many in the body of Christ. I work hard for you, Lord. How come I'm still driving an old car? You know what the father said to him? He said, son, you're always with me. I know that. I know that. The Lord knows what you do. And he said, all that I have, I'm going to give to you. All that I have is yours. And he went on to say, it was right that we did this with your brother. He was lost. He's found. He was gone. And we've got him back. It was right. He's, he makes no apology to that boy. Well, I want you to listen. The boy said, you never gave me anything. The father didn't say, son, you know, you're right. You're here all the time and I just haven't really appreciated you like I should. I'm sorry. No, he made no apology. None. And the father will never make an apology. 
to his children because when he gave the younger boy his, he gave the older boy his, but the older boy was, did not discern his harvest. He didn't know it was there. Or didn't realize that it really was his. He did not have the faith or the boldness to appropriate it. And really what the father's telling him, son, I know you're with me. Why do you say I never gave you anything? Everything I've got is yours. And what he's saying to him, son, you're the older son. Don't wait for me to come with a silver spoon and stick it in your mouth. If you wanted a ring, you know where the jewelry box is at. It's yours. If you wanted to wear a robe, you know where the closet's at. Hollering about you wanted a party. You could have had a party every day of the week. If you'd have wanted to have a party, it's always been yours. It's yours. But see, he thinks he's been humble. By doing without. Can you see two extremes? And you got this in the You got a few folk that's just brasser than they ought to be. And just terrible stewards. But man, they'll just walk right up there and they'll claim everything. Yeah. And then they're getting sin, mess up, and wasted. But then you got people on the other side. Oh, they're so holy. They serve God every day. But they're doing without. And they think, yes. well, no, won't God give me anything? Well, you don't have enough boldness to walk up and take it. That's right. It's yours. Amen. It's yours. It belongs to you. But you got to take it. I said you got to take it. In Luke 11, I, don't, I won't take the time to turn there and look at it, but you remember the story that Jesus told about the man. He said, you know, the man that came to his friend's house at midnight and asked for three loaves. And, and he, said, he said, would the guy answer and say, hey, I can't get up. My kids are in the bed and everything. And, you know. No, he said he would get up and give it to him. Would he give it to him because he's his friend? He said, no, not necessarily. But he would give it to him because of his importunity. And, I, you know, I, I thought certain ways about that word for a long time and didn't see what the Lord was saying. And I thought, well, the importunity, that means that he just kept hanging out there at the door going, Hey, hey, get up, man, I need the bread. Get up. And he just kept on bothering him, you know. But finally, one day I looked up that word and studied, did a little more study on it. And that's not what that word means. Now, English, if you look it up in an English dictionary, well, that's what it is. But this, this wasn't written in English. And the Greek word that there is translated importunity, it means without bashfulness, without timidity. And what he's and you can see it clearly if you think about it. How many of you, you know, I mean it's midnight, and you'd go to your neighbor's house and the lights are off, <laughs> and you'd beat on the door and say, I need a loaf of bread. <laughs> A lot of you wouldn't. And that's why you wouldn't have one. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. And he said the man will roll out of bed and he will give it to him. Not because he's thinking, oh, this is my great friend. He will do it because the man had the brass to walk up to the door at midnight and ask for it. That's why he got it. See, sometimes people are saying, well, you know, I, well, I wouldn't ask for that. Well, that's your problem, though. 
And a lot of times the reason why people won't ask for things is because pride. Pride is holding them back. And ignorance and wrong thinking. When it comes to the Lord, you have not because you ask not. And if you don't have as much as you should have, it's just because you had not taken it. It's not because it's not there. And particularly the more you sow and the more you give, you've got the harvest coming back. But you've got to reap all of it by faith, which means you've got to think big. You've got to think big. You've got to claim big. And you've got to expect big. And you've got to stay with it until you get it all. I said, just stay with it until you get it all. I, I want to be just like Judah. Don't you? That I just take and take and receive and receive and receive until I look up and realize, man, I'll never use all this stuff. But then my brothers and sisters that hadn't figured out how to get it yet, I can say to some of them, hey, come over here, get some of this. We've begun to do that. We've loaned stuff this summer. Large items. I mean, just uh, what, a year and a half ago, we didn't have any, any recreational things. Now I got two boats and a motorcycle and wet bikes and I had so much stuff. I had an 18 foot boat sitting in my driveway and I thought of a friend and he didn't have one. I said, hey, come over and get this boat. I got too many boats. I can't use all these. You use this one this summer. He said, you're joking. I said, no, take it. He said, you want me to bring it back tomorrow? I said, no, keep it the whole summer. You just play, have fun. See how much you can use it. Praise God. Well, he likes that. That blessed him. But I'm not through. I said, I'm not through. I want to take money so I can give to the gospel. Lots of money. And things so I can bless people and help people. And just be, just be kind. Say it again, I'm going to take it all. I'm going to take it all so that I have so much other Christians can help me use it. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.